on May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. Hey, welcome to On the Bench. This is Brendan Sinone. I'm joined by Chris Nee, Josh Newberg, and uh, Zach Blossom is supposed to be joining us, but he's MIA right now. Do we have any idea, guys, where, where Zach can be? I'm I hope. He's finally acting like a 20-year-old for once in his life. <laughs> That's what we're assuming is he's just, just hungover right now? I hope, it, I hope that this no-call, no-show is due to a hangover. That's all I can say. I will be so proud if it is. <laughs> all, of, all of us are swelling with pride right now. Uh, welcome to On the Bench. This is the podcast that is... Probably the second most popular of FSU podcasts, probably the second weirdest of FSU podcasts. We don't really do anything better than anyone else, but uh, through that mediocrity, we're rising through the ranks right now. And uh, and we have a recruiting-specific podcast today because, well, uh, this podcast is very much so named for where we were on Sunday, or Chris was on Friday and part of Saturday and no, most of Saturday Sunday. Off. You did take Saturday, took Saturday off. Saturday All right. off yeah. And that's on the bench. Chris's butt was on the bench. Chris, how much... Of your year, do you think your butt is on the bench probably, outside of Florida State? Probably about what a week's worth of time, 168 hours. I, I did the math in my head before, and I said about 200 hours is what yeah. I was going to guess. All right, so we were on the bench because FSU was hosting official visitors. They had four guys that we planned on. There was a surprise. Uh, one of those uh, one of those four guys we were planning on leads to a public commitment, and that's where we'll get going on today's episode. Uh, let's see here. I wanted to have Zach talk about LaDamian Webb, but... We're altering our plans. Uh, Chris, LaDamian Webb, the JUCO running back out of Jones College. I, I know I like him a lot. What are your thoughts on him and getting that commitment? Short, physically well-built kid who can get to the hole, hits it pretty fast. You know, he's kind of runner you want to add. He compliments what you have in that room and what you're trying to construct in that room. Talented kid. You know, it, it kind of took a while to get to the JUCO ranks. From high school, took a year off, got to Juco. He said he has four to play three. We'll see if that actually plays out that way. Um, Productive guy, physical guy. I think he's a good add. He's a kid that basically, when he got the offer, knew it was going to be FSU, barring some unforeseen circumstance that changed his mind. All right, so and the importance of getting him. uh, Josh, I would like to get your thoughts on this. You wrote about the running back room. Our readers can find it on Knowles247.com. Uh, but, but getting him to us to help bridge what was two years of, of more or less inactivity on the recruiting trail at running back. Yeah, Florida State really alleviated some pressure with the signing of LaDamian Webb because he's a guy that can step in and is a little bit more ready to go. And FSU might be in a situation where they need it. Anthony Grant, who his first year on campus saw a little bit of time on special teams, but was primarily a scout team player. He was away from the program the entire 2019 season. So we don't know how much we can count on from him. Also, Kaylin Laybourne, a guy that's been injured, suspended, um, just haven't really seen him reach his potential at FSU and time is ticking. So we don't know what we're going to get from either of the two current scholarship backs. And then FSU brings in Lawrence Toefilly, who we're all high on. We've talked a lot about uh, we've talked a lot about him on the Knowles 24 seven pod. 
but I believe, you know, he needs about a year, year and a half in the weight room, really get up there and be, uh, be ready to go at the college level. They also, uh, and then, and then bringing in Jay Sean Corbin, sorry, Texas A&M transfer going to come in, going to potentially be eligible, but we don't have clarity on that right away, which makes the signing of Ladarian Webb or the commitment of Ladarian Webb even more important because now whatever happens with Jay Sean Corbin, I mean, if he does get the waiver and he's eligible to play in 2020, that's a huge plus. But if he's not, FSU's okay. They have with Damian Webb and they're also not done there yet. So we'll talk more about upcoming visits, but FSU has, has had one on campus this weekend in Corey Wren and then Jalen White and Dejon Edwards are also scheduled to come in later this month. So we'll talk about Corey Wren here in a minute. But the commitment of Ladainami and Webb, to me, it just alleviated a lot of pressure off of who's going to be the answer immediately for Florida State. And now Webb's in the mix for that. They make fun of me for rambling. Well, I also want to give a shout out, shout out to Webb. Okay. I think his story's pretty cool and the way that you know, he, he had a tough go of it and he made it back. And I think he's going to try to really make the most of this opportunity. It's pretty crazy to hear kids sat out a year after, after high school and was still able to get it back together and make it to this, to one of the highest levels of college football again. And, yeah. and our understanding is with, or are you going to talk about his background? Well, he sat out that year because he was trying to get qualified. He signed with Mississippi state out of high school in Alabama and he wasn't able to qualify immediately, tried to get in that following essentially semester that fall. And that's what caused him to sit out. And then he goes to Juco ranks to make sure he can get back in a D1 mix. But he's a kid who was really close to getting in out of high school. And then because he was, for lack of a better term, somewhat stubborn on trying to get in, he cut himself away from football for a year. And then he goes back out there and he's very productive for Jones College. And, you know, now he's an FSU commitment. He's a kid that they immediately targeted when they got here and realized the need they had at running back with, you know, all the uncertainty that has existed at a position beyond Cam Akers in recent years. I apologize ahead of time. I'm going to want to call him Ladarius Webb, uh, the NFL defensive back. Ladamian Webb. I know, like Ladamian Thompson. I know, but my my mind's going to keep going to Ladarius. I'm trying to train you. I know. It's going to take a while. It's not not actually like – it, Ladanian would be Ladamian. Oh, is it? I don't know. You called him yeah, Ladarius. If you were going to call him anything, why wouldn't you call him Ladanian? I don't know. Why would you call him? Because Ladarius Webb's a football player in the NFL, and that's how my brain works. All, All right, right. On to the other running back that was in this weekend, Corey Ryan. Uh, you know, you call him a running back. It's kind of simplistic calling him a running back. He's an athlete. He can do a lot of different things. He can be a slot receiver. He can be a receiver out of backfield. He can line him up wide. He can run the ball. He can work between the tackles. He's an offensive weapon is what he is. Talented kid. FSU was his last official visit here. He has a top five. And talking to him yesterday, I came away with thinking Louisville is definitely a player. And even more so, I think TCU is a player there. I don't know if there's another school I would throw out there as a school that's currently heavily in the mix for him. I think FSU made a very big impression. Actually marked his third visit to FSU, first with the new staff. He seemed to very much enjoy himself. I think the way the staff explained his fit in their offense was satisfying to him and his family. Uh, I believe Josh was first on the crystal. Actually, no, 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 no. Brendan's been sitting on that crystal ball for a long time because he couldn't. Right, but mine should count. (laughs) Yeah, but Brendan put his in when he was wrong. I put mine in when I was right. The only reason Brendan is even in there first is because he was wrong for so long. And then Josh puts in a crystal ball. I believe it was yesterday, maybe Saturday. 
And then uh, Steve Wilfong does, writes a story right before I drop mine and only mentions my two boys here. It doesn't mention me as having a crystal ball. <laughs> Did he say I did mine first? But we have the, uh, what is it, the Fong Ni Sinone uh, Newberg ball or whatever. I, I don't know. It's only happened so once or twice. The Holy Triumphant plus one. The first time was with Sam Howell. Yeah. So uh, at this point, we're pretty confident Corey Rand's going to be a seminal. He did say he's probably going to wait till later in the month to make the decision. So we'll see when it actually happens. But I think FSU felt pretty good about where they stood when he left campus. I think he liked it. I think it fit what he's looking for. I think mom and dad who were both on a visit also enjoyed it. Josh, do you think so? So we have four running backs that we know of already kind of tied up right now. Uh, Corey Wren. Do we think that, they have an, the space to add one in addition to Ren, or do you think once Ren is officially on board, uh, assuming that he is, uh, that they're done at the position? So I'm asking that with White and Edwards coming in back to back weekends coming up. Yeah, that'll be a valid decision at the end. We've we've said that now. With that'll be a Jimbo Fisher decision. That'll be a Willie Taggart decision. And now this, we can finally say this will be a Mike Norvell situation. I mean, that's if I'm talking if Corey Ren comes in because I think like you guys illustrated red could be used at multiple positions. And if they truly value a guy like Dejon Edwards um, or Jalen white, then yeah, I think they can find a spot for him. I don't think um, spots are going to be all that limited. I think there's going to be maybe a couple tough decisions down the stretch, but at a position need like that, I think if, if, if another guy wants in, they have room to take him. All right, let's move on to Donovan Kaufman, the three-star safety from Louisiana. Uh, Chris, he's your boy. I know you're, you're giddy over his, his film and, and for good reason he's really impressive he's a uh, a cliche here he's a football player though yeah his film's fun to watch he can play at all levels he can do a little bit of everything he said fsu views him as a buck safety but that he can also play you know traditional strong traditional freak play some nickel dime could even line up at corner do we know so what buck safety means for them is that the boundary safety yeah and I, I think it's also a safety that plays aggressively downhill downhill okay and that plays the Kaufman's game which if is you watch what he does film, that school. is what he is yeah little refresher course here. Mike Norvell's first offer when he got to FSU was Donovan Kaufman. He's a kid that they loved at Memphis. He actually took an official to Memphis. The kid said he loved Memphis. It was just more business decision. Vanderbilt SEC over Memphis group of five. Now, obviously, FSU with Norvell, bigger platform for Norvell to sell him on. I think he's a kid that likes it a great deal. I didn't come away thinking he had committed on visit, but I certainly think FSU is a major player. Uh, at this point, he said it was FSU or Vandy, but he is scheduled to go see Old Miss next weekend. As of his exit interview, that was a plan. A little wrench thrown into plans. Maybe Baylor offered Dave Aranda's first offer upon being head coach at Baylor. It's everyone's first Kaufman. offer, huh? Yeah, that that tends to tell you something that a lot of people think he's pretty damn talented with limited quantity on market. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so Baylor's jumped in the picture. We'll see if that shakes it up with regards to Ole Miss. He only has that one remaining official that's currently locked in Ole Miss because he, prior to his commitment to Vanderbilt and after his commitment to Vanderbilt before the early signing period, he'd taken an official to Vanderbilt as well as Colorado and Memphis. So FSU was his fourth. He has one left. Ole Miss or Baylor will likely be that one most likely this coming weekend. He told me that Mike Norvell was coming to see him. I believe it was January 29th. He's a kid that has a really good relationship with Norvell, with Fuller, and with TJ Rushing. Um, so FSU's really in there good. He's a kid that likes the university. He loves the coaches. He trusts the coaches. 
he came off the way he talked about his relationship with them at Memphis came off as man. They really made me think about going to Memphis over an SEC right. school. The, and that, I know Vanderbilt's no power, but it is still an SEC non-group. Great academic school. too, and, right. and that's going to be an interesting litmus test to me to see where how players are going to be viewing Mike Norvell at Florida State because you the schools you just mentioned, Chris, that are going to be in contention for Kaufman. Uh, usually on paper, you say okay, Florida State versus Baylor, Vanderbilt. Ole Miss, like that should be a no-brainer, right? Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. Do, do either of you guys feel confident in putting in a crystal ball for him just yet? Who's going to be the first to do it? I'm always hesitant to put in a crystal ball. I'm pretty damn close with him, to be perfectly honest. Um, I have been since they offered. Mm-hmm. He's been excited about the offer. We'll see. Like I'm interested to see how next weekend plays out, but I, I don't think he's going to Vanderbilt at the end of the day. Yeah, that was exactly what I dropped in the group chat yesterday when we were kind of going back and forth about Kaufman and where he might end up. And my take was he ain't in, he ain't signing with Vandy. <clears throat> so that's kind of what I take away from it. I'm real close to putting in a crystal ball. Um, was kind of waiting to see what Nee did and let him. I was going to give Nee a little grace period, get that first crystal ball in, but I might steal his thunder. Time's ticking. I'm going to do it right now while we're recording the podcast. All right. <laughs> Uh, the last uh, of the four planned visits for this weekend, we'll talk about this guy before we take a break. Uh, that's Robert Scott, three-star offensive lineman from Conway, Arkansas. Uh, he's a tall, long, athletic offensive tackle. Those guys are a premium, even though he's a developmental prospect. Uh, Chris, I'd like to get your thoughts on, on Scott and how that that visit went. Seemed, seemed pretty good for FSU. Yeah, six foot five, 310-pound offensive lineman. He believes he's a left tackle wherever he ends up. He knows Chris Thompson from TCU was being recruited by him. He knows multiple members of the former Memphis staff that's here. They were recruiting him to Memphis. He said that Memphis was one of the first schools on him. He didn't know Coach Atkins very well. This visit kind of allowed for him to build a relationship with Alex. And I think he came away impressed. He said that, you know, the staff as a whole is a very straightforward bunch. Atkins certainly came off that way. He said Atkins was being critical of his play on film, not just simply heaping praise on him, telling him, you know, you're leaning this way, you're giving this up, things like that. So I think that made an impression. He came with mom. He came with sister. His sister's a 2023 basketball player center. She's a really tall, big girl. I mean, she doesn't look her age. She's 14 years old, according to Robert. I think that's what he said. She's a 2023 prospect. She's every bit as big as Robert, almost, it seemed like. He said that uh, she was able to go over women's basketball, check it out. You know, I believe she met Sue Semrau and that staff and kind of got a feel for that. She's already got two D1 offers, ULM and Arkansas State. So another example of FSU doing a good job of kind of touching all their bases and recruiting the family as a whole. You know, when Malachi Weidman visited in December, they made sure he got over to Hoop, spent some time there. They've done a good job of kind of understanding the whole picture with a prospect instead of getting hyper-focused solely on the individual recruit that they're recruiting. Um, you know, he's an old Miss commitment right now, has been for some time. The coaching change there caused some hesitancy. Arkansas is supposed to get him on campus here coming up. And Sam Pittman's obviously a guy that does a great job with offensive linemen, so that will be appealing. Furnace so State kid. Yeah, there's going to be, be some work there. Um, the one concern I had was dad didn't make it on the visit. Don't know why, but he said, dad's part of the decision. Um, you know, but mom was there, sister was there. So I don't think it's one of these where the family was against it. I think dad probably just had a scheduling conflict if I had to guess, um, feel real good about where FSU is coming out of visit. I don't think it's completely put to bed. If he cancels that Arkansas visit, I'll be dropping a crystal ball. 
I, I feel good about where FSU is with him for, for what it's worth. He's a big relationship kid, uh, and he gushed over his what he was able to do in bonding with Alex Atkins over the weekend. That was a really big first step for Florida State. Uh, he mentioned Darius Washington was his host on the official visit uh, and said he really liked him and the other players he got to meet. So uh, really good steps for Florida State. But, yeah, I think that Arkansas visit uh, is going to be interesting, Chris, to see if he ends up doing that or not. Uh, Josh, do you have anything to add on Robert Scott before we take a quick break? No, nothing besides I just put a crystal ball pick in for him. You did? Yeah. Yeah. I dropped it. Now, the reason I did that was because I got on this podcast. um, I think it was the the last one we recorded and said that I had been hearing the staff had a lot of confidence in their chances at landing Scott. And I said, you know, I, I probably should have put a crystal ball in. I said, but I'm just waiting to see if he actually makes it on campus and things go well. Well, you know, look. He checked off all my boxes over the weekend. He came in, he he's brought still, his family, he thunder. had a great time, he connected with Alex Atkins, and you know he's off to Arkansas, whether he makes that visit or not. I will say one thing about Scott that impressed me was he very much approached it like a business trip. Like He enjoyed it. Every kid enjoys an official visit. It's an enjoyable time, good food, good fun. But it was a business trip. He was there to learn about it and to see if it's the right place for him. He definitely came off as a kid who's willing to leave and go away from and home. FSU treated him the same way. They they were all business and how yeah. they handled him. And, and he, the, he was the last one to arrive, but not by a great margin. He was the last one to leave by several hours. So it was a lengthy, in-depth visit. You know, yeah. he walked out of building with Atkins right there. They definitely hit it off. He uh he liked Coach Atkins a great deal. And I think Darius Washington, you know, he comes off as a quiet guy to us, but I think he's an excellent ambassador for the university at this point. Yeah, Robert Scott mentioned him specifically, right, yeah. and, and gushed over him. So the last man on campus. Yep, yep. I don't know what Josh said. All right, we're gonna take a quick <laughs> we're gonna take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back to uh, to tease I'm um, teasing a surprise visitor and a few more recruiting nuggets before we wrap up. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, one love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. All right, we're back on the bench. Uh, we'll see if our advertising uh, feature is working. I don't know. It could just be white noise that you guys heard for five seconds. All right. There was a surprise visitor. Uh, Chris and Zach saw him coming in on Friday. Uh, you guys got all excited because that's what you live for is these surprise visitors. Uh, Zach, like the veteran he is, zoomed in uh, with his lens to get the, uh, badge. Get the badge uh, the, on the lanyard there. It is Carl Tucker, a four-year contributor, tight end for North Carolina. Chris, go ahead. I, I know we both got a chance to talk to him, but I'll let you take the lead on that. He says he's 6'1", 250. Truthfully, to me, he looks bigger than 6'1". He is definitely 250. He's an inline blocker is what he is. He's a capable receiver, but he's an inline blocker. He's a six lineman that you can line up on the edge. You can play. The tight FSU is John Papuchas, Coach JP. They were together at UNC for a while. I think he said two to three years. I didn't look up exactly when they crossed over. 
But according to Carl, they were together. They like each other. JP reached out a couple weeks ago after being hired at FSU, asked him if he'd be interested to come to the Sunshine State. Tucker's in no rush. He's already graduated. He could enroll at any time. He has originally said that he intended to wait till summer, May or June, depending on where he goes to enroll. FSU's involved. It was his first visit. Alabama's been kicking the tires, but he has no other visits locked in. I think he mentioned Alabama, Wake Forest, Texas Tech. There was one other school, USF. I believe it was that he mentioned that he was looking at, but nothing was cemented in FSU made strides with him, but he's a one year to play one year guy. And he is completely focused on finding the right system for him as the type of player he is for him to be successful in that one year. I think that was something that kind of drove him away from you and see as a change in system. He didn't feel like he fit what they were going to under Mac Brown and staff. Yeah. And looking at some of his stats and some of the metrics for, uh, for Carl Tucker at UNC this past year was certainly the least you the, he was utilized the least in this past season with the new coaching staff uh, start off the year as a starter, but his reps diminished throughout the year. His PFF grade was the lowest that it's been throughout his career. Uh, but, so you guys get a glimpse of like what he can do. This is why he, Florida State is interested in him. He was PFF's number six run block uh, graded run blocker as a tight end in 2016. And he was number six as well at his position in 2018 amongst group of five tight ends. So uh, Chris said inline blocker, he is really, really thick. Uh, he would be someone who would help out in the run game in that regard and has a little bit of skill too as a, as a receiver. So yeah, if you're running system with two tight ends, he's a guy that you definitely want in there to help set the edge and hold it for you. Yeah. And he can give you 300, 400 snaps in a season. Like he would be a valuable addition for Florida state this season. And he's uh, something they don't currently have on this roster. I'm interested to see what happens there. All right. Uh, let's see. Okay, so that's what we have for the official visitors this weekend. Let's see, Chris, I'll go to you because I know your butt was on the bench. People are going to want to know what the difference was between the official visit weekend with Mike Norvell. This being the first real one, the last one was just kind of not chaotic, but there were so many guys. Right. That first one, this is really where you start to see what the staff is all about. Uh, differences than maybe Jimbo era and Taggart era that you can decipher from your vantage point? I don't know about differences and similarities so much as I'll just paint the picture. It's very organized. It's very efficient. There's clearly a schedule and they do a fairly good job of sticking to it. Obviously, obviously with any visit, there's going to be some wiggle with a schedule, but you know, we were told so-and-so might leave at this time. He left like 15 minutes later. So they very much were on schedule. Um, you know, Pictures done like they've always been done with the locker room. I think they're trying to be a little more uh, savvy with what they're doing in that setting. I think we'll see that. I think we saw that with signings where they did some of that stuff for the signings back in December. So we already saw that there's a little bit more effort being put into that setting. You know, guys getting on the field, the war chant, a video production that's up on that. That is a new one that's reflective of the Mike Norvell era, but it's very much about FSU history is what I was told. Uh, you know, coaches were there fairly or early like they always are, and they were there till they weren't needed there. You know, they were there till their kids left or the day was done. It was very, very, very efficient. That's what I was going to use. Um, yep. I mean, that that's the thing that stood out to me is that it didn't seem like wasted time. It just seemed like people were hanging out like, what the hell are we doing? There wasn't any of that. It was very much, we're doing this next. We're going to enjoy this. You know, dinner was nice. I believe they went to Shula's on Friday. Ooh. Um Player hosts were very much determined beforehand, and they made sense. Darius Washington with Robert Scott, Amari Gaynor with Donovan Kaufman, those type of things. Um, so, uh, yeah. Oh, we just got a, we just got a text from Zach. He's sick. He's sick. Hell yeah, he's sick. I used to say <laughs> that. 
But uh, no, I, I, I was impressed by it. I thought it ran very smoothly. The support staff that they have that's specific to recruiting was very good at handling their roles, whether that's, you know, moving people from hotels to stadium on the golf carts, taking them on tours or just kind of, you know, filling the time with people. Like, for example, Robert Scott's sister wanted to run a quick, essentially, errand on campus. And she left with two people from the recruiting office without mom, without brother. And they went and did something real quick and came back and, you know, filled a little bit of downtime while Robert was likely talking to one of the members of the staff upstairs in the more. So just things like that are very simple, but they work and they make a lasting impression. They show that you have your ducks in a row. It reminded me of like a choreographed dance, like like a waltz, like people just kind of seamlessly uh, leaving the building, coming in. Uh, there wasn't wasted resources. Yeah. I, there were times I won't mention names. There were times in the past regime where guys were visiting and they'd have a lot of people visiting at once. People would be waiting around. Recruits would be waiting around to speak with the head coach for hours. Yeah, there, there was recruiting hours. staff steps out on the bricks or waiting for the car. The car shows up. They walk the recruit in. They go and do what they're intending to do. Like it was all, and it it ran as expected. The biggest misfire from the day, from my vantage point, I was there for a few hours on Sunday just to provide emotional support. Uh, and get free Jimmy John's was was watching uh, at one point a couple of the the GAs left to get lunch for themselves and came back around the same time that uh, that Robert Scott was supposed to be arriving and, and the entire offensive staff came out to greet the car because they thought it was uh, Robert Scott. No, it was just a few guys getting lunch. That, that was Robert big, Scott. Little he showed up like a minute later, later and they were all yeah. out waiting for him. So it was perfect. It worked well. But it was funny to see the disappointment. It was just a couple guys grabbing lunch. Yeah. But uh, it, was, it was very well. It seemed from outside looking in very organized. Uh, all the recruits we spoke with from the week really seemed to enjoy themselves. So uh, optimistic and what this can be moving forward. Yeah. And I, I think it was informative, which is always important because, you know, especially a kid like Carl Tucker has been through all this. You know, you, you can put window dressing on and make it seem fun and all that. And that goes a certain distance. But at the end of the day, you're probably going to win out with a kid if you build a good relationship and they buy what you're selling. All right. And I think that was true in talking to kids that both of those things are definitely happening. Some some pre-existing relationships that are paying off, but also new relationships, for example, Scott and Atkins. And then the information, again, Kaufman, Atkins, uh, Ren all came away knowing their need in this offense, how they fit and what they want them to be. Yeah, they, there was a message and it was articulated clearly yeah. uh, and resonated, which is good. So before the last podcast ended, I got really flustered because Chris Knee got flustered for sexy pool comments. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, we're just going to pretend like that never happened. But exactly. I, wanted to, I wanted to play a game with you guys. I want to do a hypothetical, and that was I was going to set the over-under on commitments coming from this weekend, not necessarily happening this weekend, but the four guys, now five guys, uh, ooh, five guys uh, who are visiting. I wanted to see what you thought were your thoughts were on over under two guys committing from this weekend. Uh, so if I put that as as a spread, there is two. I'm going over over, over at this point, Josh. Uh, I I have to take the over because there's one committed and I have two crystal balls in. All right, <laughs> it was it was better. It would have been better beforehand. I don't I don't think it's far fetched to think that they you think make a five? clean sweep of it. Five yeah, five. I'm not saying that's close, close, but I definitely think it's in play. There's nobody that left this weekend where I went, man. They're just not getting them. Like Morvin Joseph when he left in December, I did not feel like they were going to get him. I I predict this before the end of the week. Oh, I should say that I won't put a timeline on it, but Chris Knee will crystal ball all four of the guys on campus to FSU at some point. That's my prediction. 
That's my bold prediction. He's flabbergasted right now. I'm not. I'm just. I don't know why Josh is putting this unneeded pressure on his boy. I'm, I'm it's you know he doesn't like pressure. Me it's just that I. I feel like I know Chris better than Chris knows Chris, and I know he's putting the Chris. He's I basically life. All, look, all all the boxes have been checked for Chris to put in these crystal balls. He just when had, did I infect you? He's speaking your he's, he's speaking your language, man. <laughs> he's he's tickling in all the right places. Uh, Dominoes are falling. What other cliches can we throw out, Josh? Come on. Uh, oh, I got another one. Oh, God. We kept calling all the short guys sawed off on the last podcast. Someone, <laughs> someone texted me that. But, you know, he, we're already – there was only one safety on campus this weekend, so. And he's already a and safety, so I don't have to change him. And the guy who's an offensive lineman is actually an offensive tackle, so I don't have to move him to guard. So there is no Chris Knee position changes coming from this weekend. All right, I have a couple other recruiting things I want to get to, but first I think we need to give Chris uh, 30 seconds to a minute on hoops because they uh, – it, it, They're pretty good. It, well, yeah, we know that <laughs> at this point, but it was a game that they uh, very well could have lost and they didn't, and it was to a rival. So, Christopher, uh, a minute. Josh, one time for us? Well, they went down to Miami on Saturday at 1 o'clock. They didn't play very well, but they played well down the stretch at 13-4 run to close it out in the second half to force overtime. They went in overtime. Trent Forrest came up big down the stretch. Devin Vassell is starting to show that NBA potential that's going to maybe cost us a year that we hope to have with them next year. They're a good team. They're gritty. They've won in so many different ways during this winning streak, which is now at nine. That's kind of incredible. They've blown people out like Louisville at Louisville. They've won tight games like a Miami rivalry game coming off somewhat short rest after a big win. They've handled emotions of hosting the defending national champions at home in a game where all the weight was on FSU shoulders. They've kind of shown their mettle in this bunch, and they're good. Um, today, they're probably going to be ranked fifth or sixth. Six would be significant because it would be the highest ranking since 16 and 17. Five would be really significant because it would be the highest ranking since 1972-73. It's, it's pretty nuts when I, I was researching after the victory, FSU and rankings. I mean, they have entire decades where they basically weren't ranked, like the 80s and portions of the 90s outside of a couple good years with Fat Pat, where they were good. And even the early 2000s when Leonard was rebuilding this thing, this stretch run that they've been on over the last four or five years is pretty unbelievable. And this week's kind of capping it. They have the whole week off. They host Notre Dame next Saturday, 8 p.m. Get out to the tuck, enjoy yourself, and support them. All right. Speaking of Miami, uh, some news came out yesterday. They got Derek King, uh, the Houston quarterback, as a grad transfer. But where where is that now this morning? Uh, I'd wait. I, I, I haven't been following it too closely, but I saw that um, he kind of pumped the brakes on that and said not so fast. But generally speaking, when you see like a Bruce Feldman, Manny Navarro um, break that news on, I think it was Saturday night or Sunday, there was a bunch on that. That tells me. Uh, they're getting that from the Miami coaching staff. So there's a level of confidence from the Miami coaching staff, whether Derek King told Miami's coming or they just expect him to come. I don't think Bruce Feldman's, you know, scraping for, for Miami Intel. I believe that somebody reached out and told him that. So we'll see what happens. Maybe uh, the Miami staff jumped the gun, but for, for some reason there's, there's confidence down there that they're going to get Derek King, but I don't think it's official yet. It's not a done deal. Where's, when, where's Tate Martell going to go? <laughs> to receiver again. <laughs> when uh, Kendall Browse left Tallahassee, I quit worrying about King. So, like, I've yeah, literally totally. devoted no thought to it. Yeah, you know It'd our message is going to pick up for my – I mean, he, he's a very talented player, and anybody that can pick him up, you know, it's going to be helpful. Miami desperately needs him. Manny Diaz is in a situation similar to Willie Taggart last year. 
yeah, it's year two, but he's got to win now. I mean, year two is the new year three for a lot of these coaches. And I think Manny, Manny doesn't have time to just sit back and, and develop Jaron Williams or Nikosi Perry. He's got to go in and, and do something. I got to yeah. stop. I got to stop poking the bear do something. <laughs> I got to stop poking the bear I, between uncle Luke and, uh, and there's a Miami rider down there that blocked me. I, I got to stop being mean to Miami for a few days. All right. Other recruiting news, Josh, do you want to take the lead on this with Malachi Weidman, the latest on, on him before we get to where some of the other commits were or, or targets were this weekend? Yeah. I dropped a story on Knowles 24 seven before we got on the podcast. Um, you know, Malachi Weidman has not gone on record since um, since we spoke to him, leaving his visit to FSU in December. So he's tough to get intel on. But I did speak to a source close to him that tells me this is a, um, just going to read the text on the visit to Tennessee. Quote, it went great, exclamation mark. Great coaches, facilities and vibe there. Um, Weidman will now return home for a couple days. Uh, he's going to go to Oregon at the end of the week, but before that, he's going to get a flurry of in-home visits. Today, I'm told Oregon, Indiana, and Ole Miss are going to visit him. Tuesday, it'll be Tennessee, and on Thursday, it'll be FSU's turn. Um, I do not expect Mike Norvell to use his one in-home visit with Weidman this week. I'm more than likely it'll be a combination of FSU assistant coaches namely Ron Dugans. It uh, wouldn't surprise me if Kenny Dillingham was there as well and possibly others, but I'll confirm that later in the week. So that'll be on Thursday for FSU to go see him. And, and Mike Norvell will probably use his one in-home visit uh, the week before signing day is when I expect it. So for those that don't know, he goes to Oregon this week, and then he has on the schedule FAU the following week. And that'll wrap it up for his official visits. All right, Chris, I'm going to ask if you can go down the list here of uh, other other guys to watch and where they were this weekend and what we know about them. Yep. Offensive tackle target Jalen St. John of St. Louis, Missouri, Trinity Catholic was at Arkansas for his official. He's a former Mizzou commit. He has some ties to the Arkansas staff, Barry Odom being the most significant one. Um, you know, Odom's now Arkansas's defensive coordinator, so he has that tie, former head coach of Mizzou. He also knows Brad Davis, the O-line coach. Pittman's obviously a guy that is got an affinity with offensive linemen across the nation just because of his success recruiting them and the recent production he had at Georgia before becoming the head coach of Arkansas. The good news, Jalen left Arkansas, not committed. He said, good visit, a lot of great fans, great people that the relationships continued with Sam Pittman and all of his coaches. It's great staff. And it was great to meet a couple of guys. They told me I'm very important, which I think any school that needs offensive linemen is going to use that line. And then he goes, so I'm just waiting. I'll go see FSU on the 31st and go from there. At this point, it seems like it's very much an FSU-Arkansas battle for him. I'm not really sure if I could even throw a third team in there if I wanted to. You know, he doesn't have any other officials scheduled for January. He didn't go anywhere in December after his commitment or decommitment from Mizzou at the beginning of the month. So it very much seems like it's going to come down to those two. Mississippi State's been mentioned in the past, but a lot of coaching change just happened there, so I'm not sure they're going to be able to get in this race. So Jalen St. John's first man off the board. Next man up, also at Arkansas, running back Dejon Edwards from Colquitt County. <clears throat> Edwards, is Colquitt. A, Edwards is a weird Stop. deal. Like, it felt like in December, FSU could have closed that deal if they wanted to. They weren't able to get him in before the early signing period because of a standardized test. So instead, here we are we're in January. All of a sudden, Georgia is not signing Zach, uh, Zach uh, Edwards. Uh, 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 
Evans, yeah, Zach Evans, the running back, who's, you know. Oh, shit, I know more, more than me. Non-FSU target. I don't worry about him near as much. So, Georgia's looking for a running back. They've had a relationship with Edwards. They kind of kept him warm, so they're in there. Arkansas, obviously, new staff, former Georgia assistant. They're in there. FSU's now back in there, still in there, however you want to define that. Went to Arkansas this weekend, enjoyed himself, still plans to go to Georgia next weekend, FSU the weekend following. I'd be shocked if Arkansas can pull that one off. You know, weird things happen sometimes with guys when they see playing time available, so they do it. But Georgia's relationship is longer. It's in state school. FSU's relationship as a school is longer. Staff's been a little bit, but you do, know, But do we think he's over. a take for either of those? I mean, Georgia. I think this weekend with FSU getting web makes it interesting with FSU. I think when we get to 31st, the word take for him depends on where they stand on the board with numbers. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably the best way of putting that. But Which I, is also yeah. why he's coming in that last weekend. Right. FSU will have a better idea of the landscape of their scholarship count heading into signing day. Yeah. Next man up, Old Miss wide receiver commitment, Chris Abrams Drain from Spanish Fort, Alabama. He went to Nebraska this weekend. I'm sure he loved that ice cold, frigid weather. I mean, I bet it was a beautiful seven degrees in Nebraska this weekend. He is scheduled to go to FSU on the 31st. We don't know if he's doing anything yet this weekend. Old Miss, he's still committed to him. We don't know if they're going to get a visit. Would the coaching staff change there? So that's something to keep an eye on. Haven't actually seen a follow-up interview with him. Haven't traded messages. I was told he was enjoying himself on Saturday. So, you know, kids are going to take visits. They're going to enjoy themselves. And plus, I don't know what FSU – if FSU feels like they're getting Wideman, do they want Abram Strain? I'm sure they take another receiver. But, like again – a number situation. And Darian Williamson, we'll get to that too. Right. That's, a, that's right. another name. Right. We'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. Well, he didn't go anywhere this weekend, but he's a Tennessee commitment. But we will start, yeah, we will. I, I got a script here. I'm sorry, man. Uh, Gilbert Edmond, talented defensive end who's kind of been a breakout candidate in December. A lot of schools jumping in in January. Jeff Scott in USF, first visit weekend. They get him in Tampa. He's due at Tennessee next week. FSU the weekend after. Right now, I think he's a kid that would prefer to stay in state if the right opportunity presents itself. FSU is obviously going to supersede USF in most cases for that. We'll see how much FSU pushes for him at the end of the month. But at this point, FSU still has a major need at that position. It would make sense. Josh, USF site did not get up with Edmund, correct? I didn't see anything. No, but I talked with Will Turner, and um, you know, I try to reach out to Edmund because Will was saying there was some optimism that you know he, something might have gone down. So I don't want to. I want to tip the hand there, but definitely try to follow up on that one. I know he came with his family and stuff, and, you know, like you said, USF might be a good fit for him. New head coach in there, Jeff Scott. One visit that we didn't know was on the radar before the weekend rolled around. Truthfully, didn't know until the kid put up the photos of him in the jersey at the school was Marcus Douglas, a tight end defensive end from Tennessee, whose teammates were Darian Williamson that we referenced earlier. He went to Michigan State for an official this past weekend. Don't know how it went. I've traded messages with him since. Haven't heard back. He had told me earlier in the week that FSU for an official on the 24th was a possibility, but not yet locked in. But I think if they are going to bring him in, they will bring him in this weekend with Williamson, their teammates, friends, and whatnot. Um, I'm going to hopefully catch up with him. I want to do a little something more on him in the coming days. Last guy to mention, and it's pretty much just a bye-bye from the board type of mention. Marcus Henderson, our offensive lineman, went to Ole Miss. He mentioned the top three afterwards. I forget exactly who the three were, but FSU is not one of them. All three were SEC programs. Doesn't look like FSU will get a visit, so we can forget and stop talking about Marcus Henderson. Josh wrote him off a couple days ago, I think, right? Uh, let's see. 
All right, this weekend coming up, we'll do something more extensive, uh, probably Thursday or so, Thursday or Friday. Uh, but right now we have two official visitors kind of locked in on our on our board. Uh, that's athlete, but mostly wide receiver from Tennessee, Darian Williamson, and running back uh, Jalen White from Alabama. Interested to see what develops with both of those guys from White's perspective, kind of the same thing with Dejon Edwards, numbers game. Uh, and then with uh, with Williamson, a guy who I view as he's a wide receiver for them, that kind of fits into the whole Malachi Wideman development, I would imagine, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Marcus Jen Douglas, who we just referenced, is another possibility to join in on this weekend as far as officials. He's teammates with Darian Williamson. We're monitoring other stuff, but there's not really another guy I would definitively say we expect currently for this coming weekend. Obviously, grad transfer types and whatnot are always kind of a you don't know till you know type of thing with them walking on campus. The other big news about this coming weekend, big junior day. <clears throat> I think our list is about 18 kids at this point. I expect it to swell a good bit. It's clearly an effort by them to make some early impressions on 21 and 22 kids. You know, they're making efforts at some of the major positions of need for those classes. We'll have a lot on the junior day as the week progresses. Truthfully, that's the thing we're probably going to put the most work in on during this week. Uh, and there was a, a junior, rising junior on campus this week as well. Destin, was it Destin Pazon? Am I getting that right, we think? Yeah. I'll, I'll butcher he, the name. He goes by Fat. So just call him man Fat. Fat. If, if he wants to be called Fat, call him Fat. F-A-T or P-H-A-T? Two T's. F-A-T-T. Oh, oh. Um, wow. Yeah, I spoke briefly with him on Sunday. Uh, actually, was it Kaufman that mentioned that there was a 2021 receiver, or was it Brian? Uh, I wasn't paying attention until one of two Louisiana guys that was here this week and mentioned that a 2021 receiver from Edna Carr was hanging out with them on Saturday. So that was Fat. I talked to Fat on Sunday a little bit around 12:30 p.m. He said it was awesome. He really enjoyed himself. Spent a lot of time with Coach Dugans. He said he's a good person. Can't wait to get back up there. So he's a kid that they're definitely making some moves with. He's a top two, four, seven type, top ten player in Louisiana for twenty twenty one class. He goes to a school that traditionally always produces several D one kids. So a good place to kind of get your toe in the water. All right, let's see here. Few notes before we wrap up. Uh, before we get into some of the miscellaneous things here, Josh, do you have anything to add on recruiting? Recruiting for this weekend. No, I'm coming up for. Uh, that's right. For junior day, I'm excited for that. Get Are back you? up there and see you guys support Chris Knee and his on the bench habits. He was he was in a really good mood this week, and it weirded me out, man. It's not what I'm accustomed to. Uh, let's see, Derek Naughty, Cam Irving. Those are two knows that will be playing in the Super Bowl, both for the Chiefs. So let's go Chiefs, right? Is that the rooting interest? Might as well be. I don't care. I think it will be a fun Super Bowl, though. Yeah, no, I'm just saying I don't have a rooting interest, but if those two guys are in it, uh, I'll go KC. Yeah. Really, really good defense against a really, really good offense and two really good offensive lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be it'll be entertaining. I think it's what people were, were hoping for. There was this fear that it was going to be the Packers and the Titans, which would have been not great for ratings, I think. All right, uh, last thing. Uh, we haven't put it on the board yet. Chris and I were talking about it this past week. Both heard similar things, similar sources. Uh, you're always going to hear this when there's a new coaching staff. Oh, the strength program, the conditioning program so much better, yada, yada, yada. Take it with a grain of salt. Uh, we're hearing that the mat drills are no joke, right? Yeah. I mean, a couple of the recruits even referenced it. Donovan Coffin's like, it made me feel dizzy just watching it. And, you know, guys just say it's hard that they're putting them through it. And I was told that, you know, their motto right now is essentially work. That is their motto. And I think right now there's a little bit of testing the fortitude of the guys on the roster to see – who's here to help them win next year, who's here to help contribute and turn this thing around, and who's not really cut out for it anymore, who's lost the fire. And I think they're, they're pushing the, 
the um, the kids that are limit currently in uh, mat drills and conditioning. And, you know, that, that strength and conditioning staff, it's funny watching them go in and out of building. There's some intimidating-ass-looking dudes on that staff. Like, I, I just – the guy from Old Miss whose name is escaping me at the moment. Darian Darian. He he's officially like he's a guy that should be first off the bus, a bouncer. Like he just has that look of like, yeah, he's gonna mess some people up. Yeah, I heard that they're not there's not a whole lot of guys that have kept their breakfast down. Yeah. Uh, they're they're pushing right now. That's all again, we'll there's a lot of time between now and, and uh September when season starts. So two hundred something days, right? I don't know, I don't count. Hundred something? I don't know. Hey, we're just happy we got the amount of hours that your butt's on the bench a year. We got that down. All right, guys, this is Brendan Sinone for On the Bench. Chris Nee, Josh Newberg, guys, thanks for joining me. Josh, we will see you in a couple days. Looking forward to it. Uh, folks, five-star reviews on iTunes. It helps. Uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you in a couple days. <laughs>